0: Happy New Year! God is good. He's faithfully brought us through another year. Amen? Through many dangers, toils, and snares. Right? In some good times. Right? God is good. So again, Happy New Year. Let's keep those in prayer who are not in our attendance tonight or today. Um, May God... Keep them. From my understanding, the recording doesn't work, so have your notes ready. <laughs> All right? So this will be a basic um, message, but the reality is sometimes it's difficult to practice the basics, right? Come on down. So let's uh, open up your version of the scripture. John chapter 21, verse 15 through 19 John 21:15 through 19 when you have it please say amen <clears throat> or swipe whatever you do nowadays and it reads When they had finished breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter Simon son of John This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus saying thank you again. Be my strength. Be my voice. Open up the ears of your sheep because you said my sheep know me. You said your sheep hear your voice, so help us to take heed to how we hear this morning that your good word fall upon our hearts. May it find good ground, taking deep roots, that we may be fruitful in this life for your glory, not for our own. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. (laughs) All right. So in order to really understand the significance of this encounter, we'll have to look at what happened before this breakfast. All right. Before the evening, uh, before this event, even in our text, the Lord has had his last supper with his disciples. He's instituted communion. And he again has foretold of his death. Not only that, he tells the 12 that that very night they would all fall away because of him. Then he goes on to quote Zechariah 13 verse 7. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He tells them that after he is raised from the dead, he will go to Galilee. You can mirror this in Matthew 26 verses 30 through 35. Peter, Peter here full of zeal filling himself full of self-confidence full of his flesh says though they all fall away because of you i will never fall away jesus says truly i tell you this very night before the rooster crows you will deny me three times and again, full of, uh, and again, Peter, full of surety of his own heart, he says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And then all the other disciples joined the bandwagon, and they said the same, Matthew 26, 30-35. So last, let's fast forward. The same night, Jesus is betrayed by one of his own disciples, just as he said he would. He's arrested, he's bound, The Jews had it in their heart that he should die, but not to make peace with God, but that they could keep peace with the Romans. Jesus is beaten and led from judgment hall to judgment hall, just like Jesus said. And the the disciples were scattered. They ran for their lives. But Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. We see that in John 18 verse 15. Three different times, while warming by the wrong fire, Peter is questioned about his relationship to Jesus, and three different times he denies the Lord, just like Jesus said he would. Matthew 26, 74 even says that he cursed and swore, I do not know that man, the man. And with each denial, the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered what Jesus said, and the text tells us that he went out and he wept bitterly. He failed. Everything he had planned to do fell through. The very words that he spoke to Jesus' face held no weight. Just when he thought he was standing, guess what? He fell. Have you ever failed Jesus? Lord, I'll never do this. Or I'll never do that. Or maybe I'll never do this again. Or I'll never do that again. If I get married, I'll do this. Lord, I'll never do this to fill in the blank. Even if you've ever failed Jesus, maybe uh, you can identify with Peter. Did it crush you? Did it weigh you down? Did it shake up your conscience? Did it make you want to run? Maybe you got depressed or discouraged because it hurt you to sin against the very one who's been nothing but good to you. I want to tell you today, brothers and sisters, there's grace after failing Jesus. Let's enter into the new year remembering this. There's grace after Failing Jesus. There's restoration after failing Jesus. So today from the text, I want to share with you three things. First, I want to share with you the heart of God when we need restoration. The heart of God when we need restoration. Second, I want to share with you a common sin That takes us down the path of failing God or failing Jesus. Third, I want to share with you the key to serve and what it unlocks. It's one thing to have some keys and not know what they're opening, right? Okay, so I want to share with you the key, the third thing, the key to serve and what it unlocks. How does that sound? Good? Amen. So Peter has failed Jesus. He knows it. Everybody knows it. And keep in mind, after the resurrection, Jesus has already appeared to his disciples. This is actually the third time. He's already said, peace be with you. But like many of us, when we fall short, there's still something lingering in the heart of Peter. There's still this grief. You know that grief when you've said in your heart that you will or you won't do something, but then Romans 7 kicks in? Right? Where you don't do what you want, but you do the very thing you hate? Wanting to do right, but not having the ability to carry it out to where you, like Peter said, wretched man that I am. The reality of his failing is still lingering. Sometimes we like to bury it, right? Sometimes we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to talk about it. Sometimes we like to keep busy to keep things off of our minds. I don't know if this was the case with Peter, but Peter decides to go fishing. He goes back to the very thing that he's familiar with. And six other disciples are with him. And he's in Galilee. Enter our text. We're now about to see the heart of God when we need restoration. You guys ready? First part of verse 15. When they had breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, And I encourage you to go back and read the previous chapter. But here, Jesus has sought out his disciple. You see that? He sought out his disciple. He's not only sought out his disciple, he has served him and the others. The risen Lord, God in the flesh, serving Peter and the others. Peter's become the object lesson to reveal the depths of God's love for his people. How deep the Father's love for us. Amen? That was a fitting song. And Jesus is again also exemplifying the character they are to have as children of God. We'll get to that. Peter's not lost. He believes. He's in covenant with God. So what God is showing us about his character is that he is a covenant keeping God. Jeremiah nine twenty-four, part of it says he practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And steadfast love means covenant loyalty. Covenant loyalty. Peter's ex- Peter is experiencing the loyalty of God, a delight of the Lord. All right? He's having a firsthand experience of life in the new covenant. The covenant that God, through Jesus Christ, spilled his own blood to establish. Nothing that Peter had to work for, but only received by trusting in the work and the person of the very one who was feeding him now. Jesus. Jesus is delighted to do this right here, brothers and sisters. He's delighted. Since God has a covenant keeping God in our need for restoration, his heart is also to preserve his work in union with us he is faithful to complete the work he started philippians 1:6 he rejoices to find the one lost sheep as in luke 15 he indeed is the good shepherd of john 10 who calls out to a sheep he's not a hireling he's a shepherd who doesn't see danger and he doesn't run for the hills he's not in it for the benefits he didn't look at you and say, Y'all got a little too much baggage. That's not our Lord. That's not our God. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. And in knowing Peter, he knew that he knew what lesson that Peter still needed to have applied to his heart. Lessons that would help him grasp the reality of what it really meant to follow him. And being a covenant loyal God, he is delighted and faithful to complete his work. He will restore Peter's soul. Peter is to learn that sin has been truly dealt with on the cross. There really is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus won't leave any stone unturned in our hearts. You know, the things that we don't like to talk about The failures we don't like to mention, Jesus is like, no, 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 come. Let's see. Let's get to the bottom of it. Let's commune. And the question that Jesus asked asked Peter really gets to the bottom of what happened in his heart. Something that Peter needed to see, something that we need to see. Think about it. What in the world took Peter to a place in his heart that caused him to fail Jesus? It's a common sin that takes us all down the same path of failing Jesus. Original sin is started with Adam in the garden. I'm getting into my second point. Let's look at the first question in John 21, verse 15. John 21, verse 15, back to the text. Jesus says, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, or Jonah in some of your translations, Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Interesting question, huh? All right. Do you love me more than all these other disciples love me? It's not a trick question. This is a piercing question to the man who looked Jesus in the eye and told him, even if the others fall away because of you, I will never, even if I must die with you, I won't deny you. So this question reveals to Peter and to us, my second point, the common sin that takes us down the path to failing Jesus. The very thing that caused the fall of Satan himself. The very thing that causes the fall of man and men alike. Pride of self. I'm all that in a bag of chips. Right? For religious folks, I love Jesus more than you. I'm more devoted to Jesus than you. I'm more spiritual, so I would never do that. In Peter's case, my faithfulness to Jesus is superior to the other disciples. Pride of self, self self-reliance, self-centeredness. So much, we can have it so much, sometimes we don't even believe when God is talking to us. Jesus told Peter exactly what he was going to do, but he was so full of himself, he was so assured within himself, he said, no, I won't. Don't we get like that sometimes? We do. That may very well be the case. You may have more zeal than the next man or woman. Either way, the danger of this common sin is the false confidence in self. When living before God, if your confidence is is in self, your confidence is resting in the wrong place. When your rest is in you and in your abilities before God, in that moment, you have missed the gospel. So the question that Jesus asked Peter reveals the Lord's love for him. It reveals what God is doing and has done in Peter's heart. Peter realized, or or. As Peter now realized that apart from Christ, he can do nothing, John 15, 5. Can he answer the question with the same certainty, the same self-reliance, the same confidence in his flesh as when he first said, I would never deny you. Let's look at the text. Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you do you notice he does not say more than these he's not comparing himself to his brothers but why why you see a humbling has set in brothers and sisters before God restores us he graciously humbles us he graciously exposes our sin to us and sometimes to others right And like with Peter, God used, he uses our failures to teach us what it is to live by faith, not by our own power. You guys catch that? Peter can no longer say what he could do in and of himself. In the moment, Peter will be more aware of his tendency to be prideful. He sees Jesus' call to turn from his sin. He can now start to understand the implications of when Jesus said, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He didn't say, I messed up last time, Lord, but I, I, I'm going to get it right this time. He says, Lord, I, you know. Brothers and sisters, like Peter, do you believe that God sees and knows the heart perfectly? He knows a heart Better than we know them ourselves. And if you're honest, even when we mean well, there are still some evil things that have a tendency to creep in. Even when we mean well. What Peter has learned and what we are to learn is true gospel rest. We can rest in the fact that we are indeed loved by God. And though we are sinners, Christ lived, died, and rose to restore sinners To himself and to service, not because they are worthy, but because he is gracious. That is good. What happens between Jesus and Peter shows us that shows us that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And though dealing with sin can be painful and bring grief, there is grace, brothers and sisters. There's grace. We are to turn from our sins and know that our sins never make us unforgivable and non-restorable. And we see that all throughout the scriptures, like with David, a man after God's own heart. But we see his track record, right? He killed a man for his wife, right? Towards later later in, he started dealing with uh, foreign women, right? Same thing with his son. Foreign women, meaning they served other gods. Samson, right? Didn't the Lord restore Samson? And his death glorified the Lord? What about Jonah? Didn't Jonah rebel? Go to Nineveh. Wait a minute, they hate us. You want me to go to my enemies? And tell them how good you are tur- to tell them to the turn for their sins? Alright. See you later. Totally different direction. But what did the Lord do? He couldn't hide from the Lord. The Lord knew what boat he was catching. That's right. Right? That's right? That's He paid his own money to go do it too. He paid his own money to sin. <laughs> That's crazy. The Lord sought after him. The Lord is gracious got thrown over over the boat. This isn't about Jonah. Got thrown over the boat and as he was sinking to the depths, calls out to the Lord and what happens? The Lord restored him, sent him right back into the game, even with his hard heart. And there's so many other examples. Excuse me. But with such grace to be forgiven and restored, we have the key to serving and what it unlocks, brothers and sisters. First, I want to cover the serving. This is my third point, first part of my third point, um, verses 15 through 17. 15 through 17, Simon, son of John, do you agapeo? I've heard different uh, pronunciations of that, but love me more than these. Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo, I cherish, I have heartfelt affection for you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, this is verse 16. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. See, Peter is thinking of the three times he denied knowing Jesus. Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. He's appealing to the omniscience of God. You know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So members, friends, visitors of EGBC, fellow believers in the household of God, Jesus asks, do you love me? The key is, To serving is love. What Jesus asked, do you, or when Jesus asked, do you, agapeo, Agapeo, love me? This love in the Greek is a love that takes pleasure in actively doing what the Lord prefers. By Him, by His power and direction, when used of love to God or Christ, it involves the idea of affectionate reverence, which includes prompt obedience. Grateful recognition of benefits received to where you are unwilling, you are now unwilling to abandon it. Not only that, but it's in the present tense. So Jesus is asking if Peter loves him right now. Despite your sin, do you love me now? Peter, Peter, do you love me now? Even after you've failed, do you still love me? Do you prefer my will by my power and not your own now? When we come to this point, we're ready to be restored, brothers and sisters, to live before God and to serve. Or are you like Judas? Do you trust your own plans and when things don't go your way, do you continue to try to figure things out under your own power for your own benefit only to lead to your own destruction or the destruction of your marriage or the destruction of your parenting or the destruction of your work? And our marriages, when we come to the end of our own way of doing marriage, then the Lord will restore where we have failed then we can learn to live before God and serve in His power. In our parenting, when we now prefer God's will to our own, we love Him, when we, uh, then He will restore where we have failed. In our church life, when we are humble and prefer the Lord's will, the Lord's way to do church life, then He will restore where we have failed. To prefer God... And his ways over anything else, no matter what life brings, is how we are to live before God. Even if it is over our own preferences. Mm -hmm. And when we prefer God, when we love him, even after we have failed him, we will find restoration, brothers and sisters. Again, the key to serving is love, but this is where we have to be careful Let's be careful here. The object of our love must not be rooted in the sheep. It must not be rooted in the work. It must must not be rooted in my preaching and teaching. It must be rooted in Jesus. Love for Jesus is the key for serving. Jesus asked, do you love me? For you husbands and wives, your love for each other must first be rooted in who? Jesus Jesus Christ. Your love for your children must first be rooted in who? The Lord, Lord, Jesus Christ. Children, obedience to your parents and love for them must first be rooted in Christ. Your your, 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 Your work at work must first be rooted in Christ. But why? Why? Because in Christ, you can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Jesus said in Matthew 25, as you did it, talking about service and good works, to the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. Come, and he says in the previous verse 34 Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Verse 34 Your labors are not in vain when it's rooted in love for Jesus. So, do you find yourself getting tired, working by the sweat of your brow? My work is never done, God! Growing bitter? Impatient, full of uh, unappreciation, or feeling unappreciated when you serve others? Could it be that your service is not rooted in love for Jesus? You see, Jesus shows us. The key to serving others must be rooted in him. The key to caring for his people, that's what it means when he says feed uh, feed." here, is rooted in love for Jesus. This echoes the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. Luke 10, 27. It echoes John 14, verse 15. If you love me you will keep my commands. In John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and reveal myself to him. You see, as Jesus is restoring and reinstating and recalibrating Peter here, he tells Peter to shepherd his lambs, verse 15, right? He tells Peter to rule, to guide, to guard his sheep. But we would be foolish to miss that Peter's commission and our commission to serve proceeds from love for him. That's right. I can't repeat that enough. That has to sink in or you will grow weary in your well doing. So once again, brothers and sisters, Jesus asks, do you love me? Even as a minister, if a minister's motive as he serves in various capacities is built only on his love for people or the work or God's people, it will fail. It will. It is merely or he is merely a religious humanitarian. But when the motive is built on love for God, he is compelled to do and endure. And we see that through the lives of all God's people. They are overcomers, just like the one who overcame. You see, knowing this helps me when my marriage gets too hard. How do you endure hard times? Knowing this helps me when work is overwhelming. How do you endure pressure? Knowing this helps me when I have to labor in the scriptures for hours to feed a sheep. How do you endure when your flesh wants you to do other things? Even when those other things are good. Knowing this helps me love my enemies and keep from sin. What about you? Knowing that our service to others must first be rooted in love for God is to begin to understand what, uh, what Jesus meant when he said, I have food you know nothing about. My food is to do the Father's will and complete it, John 4, verse 34. The very thing that moved, the very thing that compelled Christ was his love for the Father. And we are partakers in the divine nature. You understand that? We should have some of that lingering within us because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with us. That's right, Amen? And we need to know this because we do get tired. Don't we get tired? Yes, we do. Don't we get tired of coming home and still having to be daddy? <laughs> well, maybe that's just me. Amen! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lord, I'll apply it to my heart, you know. Don't we lose sight of who all good things come from and who made us stewards of our relationships and given us boundaries? Don't we entertain quitting or tapping out? Or don't we grumble? You know, the good things in life can sometimes make us feel burdened down. Right? It's hard to maintain sometimes. It is. Let's be real. We're frail. We're human. We're sinful humans. But there's grace. You see, Peter later writes in his epistle, 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11. Let's turn there. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Let's turn there. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11. I want you to see this with your own eyes. This is a mature Peter. He's writing to believers. I still hear pages turning, turning. That's all right. It reads, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Didn't he experience that? Mm-hmm. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift to use it to serve one another, hmm. as a good steward of their own grace? No, of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading. To you? No. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So what Jesus is showing us is that our serving and enduring is about loving him. Jesus exemplifies this. He shows Peter unthinkable love. Think about this. And this love draws Peter in. Maybe you're on the verge of tapping out in the area God has made you a steward of grace. Grace to be a God-fearing husband or wife or child or student or employee. Maybe you've already failed in that area in one way or the other. The question remains, do you love Jesus today? Or with your failure, has your love ceased John writes those who have departed from us have shown that they never really belong to us do you love the one who delighted to bring you to God and it's not a perfect love Jesus isn't asking for a perfect love from Peter Jesus knows Peter can't give that to him and he knows you can't give that to him but he's asking Peter where his loyalty is do you love me Now, if so, there's hope for you. You can be restored. You can get back in the game. Do you love Jesus? If so, we must be clear on what this love should look like. What this love unlocks. Okay? It's not easy. It's not easy just to say, yes, Lord, I love you. God requires more than just confession. Okay? He requires a transformed heart, which he does. Amen? Amen? So there's more to this grace after failing Jesus. With restoration comes the renewed call to live before God. It's easy to say, Lord, I love you, but I'll see you after the club. It's easy to say, Lord, I love you, but I'll see you after the new year. Not saying that's the case here, but I'm just saying. Because people wrestle with their loyalty. That's the reality. Right? When people are dealing with things, they want to try to figure things out themselves. Instead of trusting in the Lord and taking it to the Lord. Their loyalty remains within themselves and their own ability. When things start to dysfunction in our lives in various areas that you know, what do we do? We have a tendency to try to figure it out. To backtrack, just like with Jonah, when Jonah told him, hey, this is happening because of me, and they were like, they tried to row all the harder. We're not throwing this man overboard. They got in their own works trying to get things right. It's a natural tendency. Let me get back to the the word. The key to serve is love for Jesus and what it unlocks is a life lived before God. Let's look at verses 18 and 19 of uh, John 21. Verses 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Brothers and sisters, when your love is rooted in Jesus, you will inevitably live a life before God. What I mean by that is this. You will find pleasure in obeying God. Amen. You will mature out of a life of living for yourself, going anywhere you wanted. Even if it's pain involved, Even if even if there is pain involved, your life becomes a life that in verse 19 has purpose has purpose so you can endure pain the purpose is the glory of God and Jesus is telling Peter that he would be faithful even unto death the stretching out of the hands points to the crucifixion in early church writings and history shows us that Peter did remain faithful brothers and sisters he did have his hands stretched out he was crucified upside down history tells us that so what Jesus says reveals to us that um, Peter would understand that if love is rooted in him Peter could live before God serve the Lord and others he could live a life before God because his life has purpose it's not lived in vain Peter would learn that living before God is faithfully obeying and entrusting his soul to a faithful creator Peter would would be reminded what it really is to follow Jesus. That's what's going on. Peter would later go on to write in his epistle, um, 1 Peter 4, while encouraging believers in their suffering, not to be surprised as the fiery trials came their way. He told them to rejoice in verse 14. Uh, He said, be glad as they are sharing in Christ's sufferings because they were blessed. And the spirit of glory and of God rested on them. And in verse 19 he says, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. If your love is rooted in Christ, you will learn to live before God because you will learn to entrust your life to a God, a creator, who is faithful you can endure pain even unto death and a lot of us reality, we're in America right now there's not a lot of pain unto crucifixion going on right here but we have to crucify ourselves daily we have to pick up our cross daily when it comes to living with each other is that not so? you know we offend one another, right? We have a tendency to offend and sin against one another, even when we mean, we mean well, right? In 1 Peter 5, when speaking to the elders, he expounds what Christ instructs him to do. Read that sometimes. To the young people, he says in verse 5, clothe yourselves, all of you the elders and you young people, everybody in the church, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. You know, Peter used to think he had it all together over the other disciples. Remember that, right? He says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Wasn't Peter humbled? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. believers. Do you believe that he cares for you? Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Verse 10, And after you have suffered a little while... The grace of uh, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, He Himself restore uh, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, even though this is talking about suffering, Peter is encouraging the church to live before God to endure suffering for the glory of God. To live before God as a means to endure the suffering. And the only way that's going to happen is if your love is rooted in who? Amen. He learned that only love for Jesus can produce a life before God. We have to remember that. When you are in something that God has instituted, such as a marriage, such as parenting, any office that God has given, if you're looking for good fruit... If you're looking for productivity, if you're looking for life versus things just dying, feelings, affections, whatever. If you're looking for that, we have to remember that only love for Jesus can produce life before God. Amen. In this life, it won't won't be perfect, right? It's not going to be perfect, but God took care of that by giving good Jesus to be perfect for us. A life lived before God is not a perfect life on our behalf as given to us by Christ. A life lived before God is a faithful life. He is faithful and perfect. You'll be faithful as he makes you perfect. All right. So the question again, do you love Jesus today? If you're a Christian and you're in need of restoration today, brothers and sisters, um, every morning, you know, you can have breakfast with Jesus. You know, Jesus is having breakfast with his disciples right now. We can have breakfast with Jesus. Peter is experiencing new mercies this morning. We can have that. Eat with Jesus. His mercy is renewed each morning. We can commune with the Lord. It's not like when... Um, this is my own experience, when a husband wrongs a wife, right? I've wronged my wife. I'm sure we all have. We're sinners, right? And out of obligation, here's your food. (laughs) Oh, y'all experienced that too. Okay. This isn't the type of breakfast right here. This isn't that type of breakfast. I've done that too. I've made breakfast. Man, I wish she would get up and make me breakfast not, of, not of a right I'm grumbling because my love was not rooted in Christ. I'm just being open and transparent with you. okay? I'm grumbling. Let me get back to what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what this breakfast is. is, is, is uh, this is not the type of breakfast that Jesus would have with us. The breakfast, the communion, the eating, the dining with Jesus is more of a celebration. Again, he delights in restoration. It's more like um, when the prodigal son returns to the father. They killed the fatted calf. They clothed him with the robe. They put a ring on his finger. Right? As we have our time with the Lord, brothers and sisters, mindful of our failures, mindful of our failures, we are to be even more mindful... Of his heart towards us. Mindful that our failures. Have been resolved and forgiven. Once and for all. Mindful that. Christ still sits. And eats with sinners. Amen. Humble yourself before God. If you need restoration. Humble yourself before God. Love him today. Be restored not because you are worthy. But because he's gracious. Live before God. Rooted in Christ, not self. So to those who are here who do not not believe the saving work of Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord is coming as one made by God, but living as though He doesn't care. He doesn't care about your sins. He doesn't care about how you live the life. You use the energy, the breath that He's given you. It's foolish. He will deal with each person person according to the works done in the body. The problem for you is that you can never do enough good to cover up your wrongs. God is perfect and he requires perfection. So he's provided one who is perfect for us to seek that which was lost, to sit with the worst of sinners, to die for the worst of sinners, To live again with the power to save and restore the worst of sinners. For you, humble yourselves before God. Turn from your way of doing things. Turn from your sin. Trust in Christ. Follow Him. Amen? Amen? Let's pray.